Hi, friends. Welcome back to Live at the Roxy on this Monday, February 22nd, day 343, 343, 344. Fuck, Rob Fishback. I fucked it up. Thanks for letting me know. On this day 344 of our quarantine edition, we are getting down to it. I'm up a little late today um, because of a couple reasons. I do this, um, I was working in the morning and then I do this show, this radio show for um, uh, the, the Carney show with Julie Buck for St. Louis, uh, radio station. And on there, this guy, Carney, the host of the show was telling me about, um, uh, Alan versus Pharaoh. And I had not watched Alan versus Pharaoh. And so I was like, okay, I have to watch Alan versus Pharaoh because I want to talk about that on the show today. If you don't know what I'm talking about, no worries. I'm going to get into it. But then I went to go talk about that and then a bunch of other work fell on my plate and like I just got slammed with work. And then and then I still wanted to watch this so that I could talk about it here on the show today. So that is why we are up a little late. And now you know all the things. We're definitely going to be talking about that in case you guys don't know. That is the Woody Allen uh, docu-series that's come out about him and the entire Mia Farrow, Dylan Farrow, Ron Farrow, the whole situation, and um, the, there's a four-part series on HBO Max. Only part one dropped already, and I will be talking about that uh, on the show today. But also, we're going to be talking about other things, like the fact that after 28 years, Daft Punk officially broke up. What? How could they? Also, we got another look at Jared Leto's Joker in the Snyder Cut. People seem to be losing their minds over this shit, so we will break that down. And... I wanted to talk about how we found out how Emily in Paris got nominated for a Golden Globe. That doesn't sound like a juicy story, but trust me, it is. All that and more today live at the Roxy. Not to mention the hangover after last night's three-hour stream is set and in. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for everybody who continues to get me drunk on Wednesdays and Sundays. You make my life oh so much sweeter, or at least more hungover. We're going to go to the Streamlabs, streamlabs.com slash Roxy Stryer and the Super Chat and whatever it is that you guys want to talk about here on the show. And then I got to get out of here because I got a Shimoda match to tape. Which one? Can't tell you. Ha <laughs> ha. Joke's on you. I don't know why the joke's on you. Just is what it is. All right. Let's go in here starting with, I said it's the February 22nd, which means it's a couple of my friends' birthdays today. I will be making birthday calls after this stream. But this first one coming in from Glenn Caesar, who says, continuing to say it, Miles Cosgrove, Brett Hankison, Jonathan Mattingly, arrest the cops and kill Breonna Taylor, all three of them for killing Breonna Taylor, justice for all the people who've lost their lives due to excessive force. Hashtag say their names. Let's uh, sing it again. Let's fucking go. Smets and everyone fighting for today, tomorrow, and more. Smash cancer, be most excellent rock stars, show up for each other and other people who need it. That's what makes you cool. Cheers to fuck yeah news in 2021 and beyond. Hello and good afternoon. I like that always. Glenn starts with that heat. It's like, it's like he does um the first 10 pages of his script. And then he's like, by the way, hello, it's me. Hello and good afternoon, Roxy. Much love to you, Grammy and Papa. As always, thanks for taking the time to still hang out with us today. Happy Monday, Rocks, RJ, Skittles, Chunk, GPS, Misdirection, Peace, Bunnies, and Hugs, and good stuff to you and all yours. Wow, I didn't expect the good stuff, Glenn. Glenn says, thanks for always being there and here with us. Silver, the Elf, Zilla, Queen Badges, Dimples, Schmodown, Modi. Also, positive thoughts and good luck with your soon-to-be-successful move into a dope 
it'll work out to be affordable new apartment roxy keep crushing it thank you positive vibes oh my god the move is gonna be a bitch positive thoughts and good vibes to you rj on garnering all of your much deserved successes in regards to booking the hosting slash filming gigs auditions and or any other projects coming up for you Hopefully you'll fully embrace them. Roxy, that's Roxy number one. Please remember, you're kind, you're smart, you're unique, and being so unselfishly loving and supportive of others, including strangers on the internet, makes you worthy. As such, your story is important and deserves to be seen and heard. You are appreciated. Positive thoughts to you, RJ, and all the rock stars who show up here and give their support whenever and however they can. Don't forget, when it gets tough, even if you're by yourself, you're not alone. Everyone who's battling, keep on fighting. We are with you. Thank you, Glenn Caesar, for that positive message all the time, our mascot, Glenn, our homie, our friend, we appreciate you in here and everywhere. We appreciate you in all the places. Anybody else who has questions, comments, concerns, thoughts on this Monday, streamlabs.com slash Roxy Stryer, or if you just want to send that support to help me with my big move. It's kind of, what do you guys think about the fact, and obviously I'm not a landlord, but it's kind of bullshit that when you move in, you have to pay two months rent because you have to pay the deposit and the it's just like, are you kidding me? Maybe that's not actually bullshit, but that's how I feel. Maybe you guys don't feel that way. Maybe it makes sense if you're a landlord. But if you're a tenant, it's like, what? It's just rude. Andrew Thomas says, hey, to the most beautiful woman, Roxy, I'm bummed that, um, bummed, bummed that Daft Punk broke up. Wow, today the words don't come easy. My favorite song of theirs is Around the World and Robot Rock. That Jared Leto, Joker, Jesus is kind of funny, LOL. Around the world, around the world. Yes, to all of that. I feel you. I like Daft Punk a lot. I think Daft Punk uh, are as well received. I think people know how great they are. I don't think that they're underrated anymore because I feel like people just are obsessed with them. And from all different generations and across the board, I feel like Daft Punk gets the the uh love and attention and heat that they deserve and 28 years is kind of a weird time to break up because uh it just feels like you know i'm a big fan of numbers as you guys know considering i'm going for 365 feels like they are like make it to 30. you make it to 28 make it to 30. but i don't know i i get it i understand uh, I think that the performance going around right now, that's like their legendary Coachella set from 2006 is worth watching, especially because we know that we're not going to get Coachella again. Uh, yeah, uh, this is sad. This is sad news. I honestly put this as the headline of the video today. Not that any of us have that much to say about it, but just because I don't know about you guys and your friends, but this is what my people are talking about today. This is what they're talking about. And it's not like they're, you never know with bands. I think it's very, very likely they get back together. Rob Fishbeck says in two years, we'll get back together at 30th anniversary tour. I think that's very, very possible. I also think that it's possible that they never get back together, but by possible, I mean, that's like a 10% chance. I think it's much more likely that they do end up back together. Uh, there was a, an article in Rolling Stone called Daft Punk Breakup. It says influential and acclaimed duo announced their split with an excerpt from their 2006 film, Electroma. And I thought that the, this article did a good job breaking everything down in case you guys need a good place to know what's going on um, and a little bit more about their history. Uh, yeah, I think most people probably are big, big into Daft Punk. Like I think that their big resurgence 
was with Pharrell's Get Lucky. This article talks about the um, harder, better, faster, stronger, and just all of their influence on other music in general. It's just such a cool vibe that they've created. And it's also cool when you have a band, when you have a, a duo like that, that I like, that Steph likes, and D likes. You know that you're cross-pollinating when people of all different kind of music genres and tastes like them. Is anybody in here not a Daft Punk fan? Like, even if you're not a diehard fan, is there anybody in here who does not like Daft Punk? Because even though coming up, like when I was young, they were not as talked about, by the time I was in college, Daft Punk was like, everybody fucking talked about them. Everyone talked about them. So I do believe that they will get back. But what do you guys think that they're going to do? Do you think that these, this is going to be time for a solo career? Do you think that this is going to be that they just want to kind of like take it easy? Do you think we're going to get to know Daft Punk a little more? Will the man behind the masks be revealed? All of those questions and more. Let me know what you guys are thinking. Streamlabs.com slash Dryer and right here in the Super Chat as well. Speaking of which, one of my interns just texted me saying, sent in the Daft Punk article. So there will be an, a Daft Punk article on AfterBuzz TV. For those of you who want to check that out over there. All right. What is your guys' favorite Daft Punk? Let's see. Pink Sweet says, I didn't know they were French. I was reading articles like French duo. Yeah, that is that is funny. I don't think that that's talked about at all. Um, I wonder if I knew that at some point in time. Jake says, a lot of great memories of Daft Punk when they were still relatively unknown. Totally. People like loved taking credit. You know, they were like, oh, I knew Daft Punk before they were even cool. Can they legally take off the helmets now? LOL. Yeah, I think I think so. Rob Fishbeck says the Tron Legacy soundtrack helped with that. Definitely. Definitely. Um, Mr. Sebster says Daft Punk introduced me to electronic music and sampling and gave me inspiration to make my own beats. That's awesome. I'm glad you're such a fan and that they helped. Uh, and unrelated to this, but very important and something that I definitely should have brought up today. Joseph Ashley says, Drew Barrymore birthday today. Yeah, I was watching the Drew Barrymore show and all the surprise guests she had and how she um, cried when David Letterman came out. That was cool. I love Drew Barrymore so much. This is also what I was talking about with Steph the other day. For those of you guys who are World Girls fans, for, aka World Friends, for those of you guys who are World Friends, Jake says, Roxy just clowned me, but whatever. I, well, I did? What are you talking about, Jake? Jake, what are you talking about? So for the world friends, this is the this is the struggle that I've been having. This is the internal struggle I've been having. I'm a huge, huge Charlie's Angels fan. I love Charlie's Angels. You guys know that my number one is Drew. I'm obsessed with Drew Barrymore. But I also love Cameron D singing Beyonce in my song. I love Cameron Diaz and I love Lucy Liu. Here's the dilemma. Let me tell you guys the dilemma. I love all three of them. I think that Steph and Dee love all three of them also. I don't know how you could not like one of them. Cameron Diaz came out and said that she's no longer gonna be acting anymore. That came out, I think yesterday. I mean, she's been saying that, but she just said she doesn't think she's gonna return. All of that stuff. If you had to say, which world girl is which Charlie's Angels member, what do you say? This is why this is so hard. And I'm gonna walk you through my thought process. In theory, I'm Drew Barrymore of the three of them. If, uh, if we're just talking about who's who of the three of them, I'm Drew Barrymore. In theory, Steph is Lucy Liu. 
in theory, Dorina is Lucy Liu. So this creates a very complicated situation. In what world of the three of us then am I not Cameron Diaz? I'm the blonde one. Well, by by dye color. But I'm not, not Drew Barrymore. Everyone knows I'm obsessed with Drew Barrymore. And Steph is Asian. That doesn't mean she has to be Lucy Liu. But like, you know, she always picks being like this like dragon goddess lady. So like she is Lucy Liu. But there's no world in which Dorena's Cameron Diaz. So then if we make, it's just tough. It's very, very tough. And I feel like by personality, I don't know. Cameron Diaz does do that shitty voice thing. It is possible that I'm Drew, Steph is Cameron Diaz, and Darina is Lucy Liu. But Lucy Liu's like Steph's idol. So it's, this is very tough. This is very, very tough. You guys see, I'm seeing you guys see my dilemma. I stay up at night about this stuff. I stay up at night. All right, Rob says Roxy's Drew, D is Lucy, Steph is Cameron, 100%. Pig Sweet says Drew is Steph, Darina's Lucy, and I'm Cameron. I get all of these thought processes, guys. I get all of these thought processes. Danny M says Steph is Cameron Diaz. Steven Summers says D is totally Cameron. Mm hmm. This is tough. Cameron is Steph, says Bruce Banner. This is really, Joseph says, I think Roxy's fair. Fawcett of Charlie's Angels. I'm guessing Cameron Diaz. Yeah, Andrew says, too much for my brain to handle. I know. Sir Joker says, why Darina is very in line with cameras, Cameron personality-wise, both free-spirited? Maybe, but she's, I feel like she's more in line with Lucy Liu because of like the like badassery. Like Cameron's a little goofy and silly. PLD says the most important part of all of this, the biggest message of everything. I love drugs. And this we know. Coming from me to you guys. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. Thank you guys for appeasing me and going through this. You all have different opinions too. It's a lot. I know. It's a lot. Get in your thoughts. Streamlabs.com slash Roxy Stryer. Which world girl is which Charlie's angel? And also talk about whatever the hell else you want to talk about, including you, Apollo3JP, who's in here and says, fam, how's your Monday going? Here's to crushing this week. I got some clients in the casting door for some big projects. If I land one of these whales, best believe we all celebrating. Give my best to Steph. Cheers. Apollo, you, you do the damn thing, dude. I'm telling you, you're consistent. You're in here. Nothing makes you back down. This is a wild development. Also, my tea is so warm and I just keep feeling it. My hands, it's so nice. Back on that vanilla life. That's what's up. Wow, Joseph says Darina's Lucy and Steph is Drew. So I'm not Drew, but I side mouth talk and I follow her whole career. I'm like trying to do the sad mouth talk right now just so I can be here, but not really. I love her so much. I love her. Oh, I love her. I love Cameron too, though. She's a tough world. All right, let's get into some things we're actually going to be talking about on the show today. Again, I love drugs. Just kidding. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, I guess let's jump into. I guess let's jump into the Allen versus Pharaoh doc. So four part docu series on HBO. I actually never. I think it's on HBO. I watched it on Xfinity. It's on HBO Max. So Allen versus Pharaoh. Again, this is four parts. The first one aired last night. And this really wasn't on my radar, which is bizarre because I usually like to keep up to date with these docu-series kind of things. Uh, you guys know that I, or maybe you don't know, growing up, I only, when we were in the library for school, my elementary school, we had a library. And, you know, it's a small library because elementary school library and I went to public school. But in the corner of the library, there was one corner um, that had a big a very tall bookshelf, thin and tall. And there were probably like a hundred biographies on it. And every time that we would go to the library, we would have to go, I think it was like Thursday mornings or whatever. And you pick out a new book for the week. And I would only, I'll go right to the biography section. I loved reading biographies. I always loved reading biographies. So I'd go right to the biography section. And I went down the line. I read every single biography on there because I love learning about people's lives. It makes sense, right? I, I'm an actress, I love embodying people's lives. I'm a host, I love telling people's stories. I just like real life stories. So docu-series are so up my alley. I really, really love docu-series. And TV is up my alley, so more so than even documentaries, I love docu-series. It gives you a long period of time, or however much time you need to tell the story you need to tell. So I love that kind of stuff. So I usually try to keep track of these things that are going down. So this is Alan vs. Pharaoh, um, or Alan v. Pharaoh, which is, of course, uh, the Woody Allen docuseries about the sexual abuse allegations against Woody Allen involving his seven-year-old daughter um, with Mia Farrow. So the, and already it's gotten very complicated. The first episode is an hour. I don't know how long the rest of the episodes are. Uh, we have interviews in there from Mia Farrow, from Dylan Farrow, from Ronan Farrow, um, from some of the, the family friends and girlfriends. I'm saying I'm a lot today. I'm off my game today. Sorry, friends. Just forget that I'm a broadcaster for a second and just remember me as a real person. Uh, Alyssa Wilkinson, I think, was the she was like the girlfriend of one of the older siblings. So for those of you guys who don't know that much about this story, Mia Farrow, very famous, successful actress at the time, had had a different uh, husband and she had had children with him and then had also adopted children with him. And then after him also adopted her own children and then ended up with Woody Allen and her and Woody Allen, uh, adopted kids together and she adopted kids while she was with him. And then they had a biological kid. And then also he adopted her kids who did not have a father. So there was very intertwined intermingled family of kind of fucked up shit going on here. No, that's not fucked up. The rest of the stuff to follow is fucked up because that's why these are always confusing when people are like, didn't Woody Allen fuck his own daughter? Or like, didn't Woody Allen? That's why, it, didn't he marry his own daughter or whatever? So as the story is, uh, he did end up leaving Mia Farrow for, we haven't gotten to this part of the story, but from what I know, he Mia Farrow's daughter, adopted daughter with somebody else. Uh, Soon's sons. What was her name? Soon's. What you guys know who I'm talking about? Uh, 
Mia Farrow daughter, uh, Sunyi, Suni, I think is how it's pronounced. Spelled S-O-N-Y-I, and I think it's Suni is how it was pronounced. So Suni and who is Mia Farrow's adopted daughter ends up later on with Woody Allen, but the allegations are that Woody Allen sexually abused his adopted daughter with Mia Farrow, Dylan Farrow. So all different parts of this story that are like, what the actual fuck is happening here? And this story has been hard to follow for years because they've been trying to brush it under the rug and Woody Allen's continued to work and people don't know this stuff about Woody Allen. And some people do know this stuff about Woody Allen. So this is the first time we are seeing like a big, big push to reveal what happened with Woody Allen. So part one of this series, and you guys should go watch it. I don't think this is spoilers because it's real life. So I'm always willing to talk about these things. But if you don't want to hear what happens in the doc, then pause this video and come back in a little bit. Or look at Rob Fishbeck's time codes. But what we find out from this doc... So here's what I was surprised about, rewinding for a second. I'm on the radio show this morning. I'm on with Carney. And Carney says, oh, God, I started the, Fer the Alan Farrow doc. I hope the next parts are better because uh, this thing is slow. And by the way, just so you guys know, up to this point, I love Carney. I love Julie. I've loved being on that show. And it's been a blast. And he said, Carney says to me, did you see it? And I said, no, I haven't seen it yet. And he said, oh, gosh, it just doesn't prove anything. And it's so slow. And it's just not proving anything. I don't know what the rest of this is going to be. So I went into this thinking that the first episode was going to be very minuscule. We weren't going to see much. There weren't going to be many interviews. We weren't going to hear much. And he said that the first part he felt was like more pro Woody Allen. So I went into it thinking that that was going to be what it was. Stephen Summers says up to this point. Uh, no, 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 I'm just saying I, I haven't worked with them that long, but from what I know of them, they're both great. So he said it like that. So I went and I watched it thinking that those things were going to be the case. I have no fucking idea what he's talking about. I'm going to have to email Carney and be like, what were you watching? So far, this video is so fucking damning and so disturbing that I have no idea what, what he was watching. I have no idea what he was watching because what this video portrays is a situation in which Woody Allen is absolutely a fucking creeper. I don't know how you could watch this video and say anything else. We see that he's a creeper in multiple situations with multiple different people. Number one with SUNY, how we find out that he starts a relationship with SUNY is that Mia Farrow, his girlfriend of a long time, and his, the woman that he has children with comes into his apartment and finds naked pictures of SUNY on the desk. At this point, SUNY is in college, so presumably she's of age, but she said she finds naked pictures and she said, these naked pictures were not even fit for Playboy. She said these were some hustler photos of SUNY on his desk. So that is how Mia Farrow finds out that the love of her life is having an affair or whatever with her daughter. So that is fucking creepy and disturbing. Mia does not get upset with SUNY. Mia says, I'm sure he took advantage of the situation. He's an older man, all of this stuff. 
But also keeping in mind that even though Woody Allen was not SUNY's father, Woody Allen helped raise SUNY. We see all this footage of SUNY as like a child child. I mean, a kid. And there's this voiceover of Woody Allen because they use some of his tapes, even though he doesn't volunteer to be in the doc, they use some of his tapes. And he's looking at SUNY. He's like, she was always like such a sad kid and whatever it is. She was different. She was sad. That's so fucked up. So fucked up. But then on top of that, we're starting to hear a little bit about Dylan's story, which we haven't gotten to fully in this first episode. But when we're hearing about Dylan's story, we're hearing that as a child, I'm talking like four or five years old, uh, and rewinding for a second again, when Mia was adopting Dylan, Mia went to Woody Allen and was like, I want to adopt another, I want to have a child with you. And Woody was like, okay, but here's the deal. I might want nothing to do with this child. So if we're going to have a, a child together, you have to raise it. You have to take all responsibility. You have to financially have the kid. I just will maybe have this child with you. And we hear this story from both Woody Allen and from Mia. And Mia was like, okay, they try to have a baby. They cannot have a baby. She cannot get pregnant. So she said, I want to adopt a baby. And he said, that will not make me leave this relationship. So you can do that if you want. And she says, is there anything I can do to, you know, make you more involved? And he said, I would really like a little blonde, a little blonde girl as a, and all of me as other children were adopted from other countries. So all of this sounds like, what the fuck? This, these conversations do not seem normal. Now they don't seem, they don't seem like illegal, but they just do not seem normal. So he says, I want a little blonde girl. So what Mia does is adopt a little blonde girl. This is my first issue. One of many issues that I have with what Mia does. That's that, that's some red flag bullshit right there. Like, why do you want a little blonde girl? When Mia's made a point to adopt all of her other children from other countries, and that's what she wants to do. So now she's doing this for, for Woody. So she adopts a little blonde girl. That blonde girl is Dylan. As the story goes, and all these other people are chiming in, telling parts of the story, he doesn't leave Dylan alone. He will not leave Dylan alone. He's obsessed with Dylan. When Dylan, when he comes over, he takes Dylan away from the rest of the family, goes home, walks with Dylan. Like it's always removing her from the situation. There's multiple times in which people walk into the room and they see Woody in bed with just his underwear on and Dylan in bed with him with just her underwear on. Mia recalls, recounts times where she sees Woody's head in Dylan's lap. Uh, one of the family friends says that she walks in and sees Dylan sucking on Woody's thumb and then Dylan recounts that her dad used to make her suck on his thumb and like tell her how to do it and what to do with her tongue and all of this stuff. At some point when as Mia's talking we see Mia saying things like this didn't seem right with me so I confronted him he flipped out on me and was like you think I'm a fucking pedophile like freaked out on her then she got a call from a psychi uh, psychologist psychiatrist I don't know which one who lived in the building with them, who noticed something weird went down. And so she calls Mia and was like, this is not okay. You guys need to see somebody. She refers them to somebody. Mia and Woody go to see somebody together. And what that therapist says is that this is not a sexual thing for Woody. He just has never been around children and that they have to try new things. So Mia starts to feel more comfortable again in the situation because apparently there have been times where she was like flipped, 
flipped out at him and was like, that's not appropriate. So I don't know what to think about Mia at this point, because while she did observe things and she did try to get Woody help, she clearly put her children in an incredibly dangerous situation. And she clearly was not unaware. She was not fully aware. And I'm not saying this is Mia's fault. This is Woody's fault. But you have to do what you can to protect your children at all times. I don't, I don't know how the rest of this doc is going to play out, but this is how I feel about part one. So this is what's happening. And that's pretty much what takes us through to episode one. Uh, we're going to be getting to Dylan's story. Her brother, Ronan, who is the biological child of Mia, because after they adopted Dylan, they were, or after Mia adopted Dylan, she got pregnant with Woody's baby, which ends up being Ronan Farrow who you guys know as the reporter, whose name was not Ronan when he was born. I don't remember exactly what it was. So that. Uh, the whole thing is fucking disgusting wa watching it. And I don't, again, I don't know how somebody could watch this and be like, this was slow and not very revealing. To me, this was everything I needed to know. I already knew all of this stuff. Number one, I think you have to be an actual fool to watch this and believe that, that, even if it's even if you don't even know about the Dylan stuff with Suni, and forgive me for getting forgetting her name at the beginning, with Suni, it was clearly a grooming process. Like what the day she turned eighteen, he took naked pictures of her, and there had never been anything before. This was clearly somebody who was like his daughter, who he was helping to raise, who then he ended up having an affair with right when she turned 18, come the fuck on. Come the fuck on. What? And with Dylan, I, we're about to hear about a story that seems like straight up sexual abuse. So that's where we're at right now. For some reason, this Woody Allen, the Me Too Woody Allen story has just not stuck the way a lot of other stories have. It came too soon. Me Too only was started what 2016 this started a long time ago people didn't believe dylan people didn't believe mia suni said that things didn't uh, didn't happen glenn says no big deal but it's pronounced suni no i don't think so it's spelled suni i think it's pronounced suni glenn you can let me know if i'm wrong but in the doc they pronounce it suni the whole time but i know it's spelled soon e soon ye but i'm pretty sure it's pronounced suni but you can tell me if i'm wrong glenn um, so this whole thing, and you're hearing Woody Allen's voice over the whole time. It's just really bad. So I definitely recommend going to watch this. I'm certainly going to be talking about this for every Monday or for the next three episodes that it airs. We can't bury our head in the sand in this stuff because he's this legend, Woody Allen. Uh, and trust me, I love his movies too, but that doesn't mean that we get to just be okay with Woody Allen because we like his shit better than we like some of the other Me Too people. Like, just fucking no. No, 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 no. 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 Blah. Blah. So check this out. Let me know what you guys are thinking. Streamlabs.com slash Roxastrara. Did anybody in here already see it? Send bunnies if you already watched it. I, it can't, it snuck up really fast. So... Yeah, it's not up really, really fast. Pink Sweet says, this is why you can't stand celebrities. 
like you can joke about it, but don't actually stand these people. I love Kate Winslet and Emma Stone and they, and so many others starred in his recent films. I know, I know. And I just don't think that they believed it, which is fucked up of society's part. Jeff Aaron says, in my opinion, Woody Allen's story is old school like Polanski, though disgusted. I'm glad the story is being told for this generation. Totally, yeah. Him and Polanski get clumped in the conversation together all the time. And it was just pre-Me Too. So there was just a different way that society handled it all. Legoland says, I don't I do want to watch it, but I don't have HBO. So that's probably a good thing. It just stressed me out. Well, I'll be giving you guys recaps here of what's happening on the show. So if you guys, hopefully that will be helpful. And otherwise, you can kind of tune out for this part because I think it's important that we talk about it. Even though it's just is fucking disturbing and disgusting and distressing and upsetting. And that's not, and I try to make sure that we don't only talk about things like that. But we definitely, we buried our head in the sand for Woody Allen for a really long time. And it's fucking disgusting. Ryan Payne in the Streamlabs, streamlabs.com slash Roxy Stryer says, don't worry about the ins, Roxy. We'll probably, we'll probably make a drinking game out of it like Robin from How I Met Your Mother, LOL. What are the ins? Don't worry about the ins. I don't know what the ins are. Glenn Caesar in here says, Roxy, my guess is that uh, paying two months rent when you first move in is first and last to cover if stuff needs broken needs to get replaced maybe it's to cover the renter needs on move out unexpectedly i don't know anyhow today and move is today and the move is happy roxy days no it's for it's a security deposit that's what it is whoa pld really you went to college with suny or suny if that's how it is mm, briefly did you ever interact with her let me know. Wild story. And we're going to continue to hear more about it. Very, very glad that they're doing a doc to cover it. And it's so crazy that we live in a time where if you have an HBO doc or a Netflix doc, that's how you get outed. Like, that's how the world knows. Because people don't watch the news the same way. They watch this stuff, including myself. I do watch the news, but I don't miss any of these things. And that's that's insane. Moving forward from this which we can continue to talk about as long as you guys want to. Please go watch it if you would like, and we can keep the conversation going. But moving forward on this show today, let's talk about uh, Jared Leto's Joker. Oh, Ryan Payne was saying, um, oh, it said in. Yeah, the ums. I have been saying um a lot today. It is what it is. I'm tired. I haven't slept in a really, really long time. Jared Leto's Joker. He is getting another picture, and here it is. And the internet's losing their mind. They're calling this the Jesus picture. Listen, Jesus was a Jew, so maybe Joker is a Jew. That's what I get from this. That's not Drew. What's on his head? They look like Christmas lights. Wait. <laughs> Whoa. They look like Christmas lights on his head, but really it looks like barbed wire. And then it also just looks like a, a wreath and all different weird shit. Uh, he's, I, I don't know what's, I don't know. Nightmare sequence, certainly not damaged. We had already seen this picture. We had seen this picture and we had gotten footage of him because we live in a fucking society. But now this picture, what do you guys make of this? 
Snyder Cut really going strong in on these Leto images because Joker does sell. I don't know. It's so bizarre. Thank you guys all for saying bless you. I appreciate you. We live in a society. We live in a society. Steven Summers says, I finally catch a live show and it's about pervert. <laughs> still glad to be here. Do you still bring on guests? I always love when you work with Maude, Coy, and Trisha Hershberger. Bless you, Roxy. Thanks, Steven. I do bring on guests. And when once we get to 365 days, I'm going to be bringing way more guests on in the new iteration of the show. I love those guests, too. And I appreciate you. So thanks for that. Sorry that the one show that you get live is about a pervert. It's just the way that the cookie crumbles sometimes. Yep. All right, so what are you guys thinking about this Joker image? Are you guys still stuck on the thing that we were talking about before? Pink Sweet says, this was a candid shot of Leto, and they were like, oh, let's use this. <laughs> Mr. Subster says, Joaquin Phoenix ripoff. I don't know if I ever feel like that, but it's your prerogative. Oh, Roxy, it's the crown of thorns. Tell me more. Tell me more. All right. I'm interested in seeing this. It looks like they're trying to tell us that Joker is going to be in this movie. Bruce, I believe they are trying to say that. I definitely believe that they are trying to say that. Uh, Christian says more religious references. Meh. Also, you guys seem to be more meh on this than excited about this imagery. I I thought this was fine. I don't know. This seems like a still that's not in the movie. So I think it was an interesting choice to release the shot, especially after we've seen so much Joker already. But hey, again, I'll say it once. I said it twice. I'll say it a bajillion times. I want Snyder to do whatever the fuck he wants to do on this one. I don't want there to be any question afterwards about whose was this and who did this and how to get done. We need this to just be his. So that I think a lot of you guys are feeling the same way. Brandy says Jared Leto is my husband. What Brandy? Tell me more. What? Huh? Mr. Subscribe says I just don't like Jared Leto as a person. I'm being biased. I need to see the context says Jade Dope. Yeah, I feel you guys on all that. I feel you guys on all that. So let's move on unless you guys have anything else to say. And again, we light today. We light this week. We light this month. So streamlabs.com slash Roxy Stryer and right here in the super chat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Emily in Paris, how did it actually get nominated for a Golden Globe? We talked about Emily in Paris when the Golden Globe nominations came out. We thought this was a really interesting article that came through from the LA Times. And this is what they tweeted out which made me laugh out loud because I can't fucking believe this is how it all works. You guys know I'm in Hollywood, but I'm like on the outskirts of Hollywood. So I don't know how all of this, I don't understand all of this stuff. So when articles like this come out, they're actually very, very helpful. For anybody who didn't hear about this, this is what five hours ago, LA Times tweeted. Emily in Paris received two Golden Globes nominations, which surprised some TV insiders who hadn't considered the show a serious award contender. Well, there's something you should know. This is via Stacey Perman and Josh Rottenberg. In 2019, 30-plus members of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, the group behind the show, 
flew to France to visit the set of the new series. Paramount Network treated them to a two-night stay at a five-star hotel where rooms started at about $1,400 a night. There was also a lunch at a private museum filled with amusement rides dating to 1850 where the show was shooting. It's worth considering that one of the show's own writers said in an honest op-ed about its nomination, representatives for Paramount Network and Netflix declined to comment. Our investigation of HFPA reveals an organization struggling to combat allegations of self-dealing and ethical lapses. In response to questions, the HFPA said in a statement, None of these allegations have ever been proven in court or in any investigation in the past, but Ricky Gervais and actor Gary Oldman have been brutally honest when discussing the organization. There are no black members in the HFPA. Here's a closer look at the 87 member body, which includes a famous actress, a wealthy socialite and a Russian bodybuilder turned actor and filmmaker. These are a little out of order, but you're getting the, the point. I liked the show Emily in Paris. I came on here and told you guys how much I liked it. I thought it was super fun. I thought it was super cute and Gossip Girl-like. And at that point in quarantine, I was just excited to see it. In no world does this deserve to be nominated for a Golden Globe. In no world should the Globes be based on nominations based on what you're doing. And I understand as I'm not a member of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, but I am somebody who's been wined and dined before, as you guys know, like with Bohemian Rhapsody, and they take you on the private jet, and you go to Bohemian, you go to Vegas, and you meet Brian May, and you have a live show where you watch them perform. Obviously, when you do that, and then you see the movie, you're obviously looking at something in rose-colored glasses. I love Bohemian Rhapsody. I still love Bohemian Rhapsody. But it is challenging when you are wined and dined to to try to distance yourself from it. But that's your job as somebody who has to, I don't have to vote in things like this, but if you have to, that's your job. So this is just fucking hysterical that they, 30 members of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association went and stayed for two nights in Paris at a five-star hotel for $1,400 a night. That's fucking ridiculous. It's fucking ridiculous. Like, what are we talking about here? It's unreal. You're telling me that of the 87 member body of your HFPA, there's not one black member? What the fuck? Are y'all kidding? That can't be true. That's what the LA Times is telling me. Of the 87 of them? But that's why every year, Golden Globe's so white. What? What? I'm not saying it's not an honor to be nominated because it's obviously it's such an honor to be nominated for any awards. But at the same time, you look at this and you're just like, oh, what the fuck are we talking about? 87 members? Are you guys kidding? $1,400 night hotel. I've never stayed in a hotel like that. No shit that's going to make you change your opinion on the show. And I already liked the show. It's just like... Woof, 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 woof. Just wanted to give you guys a little bit of insight there. Let's go back into Streamlabs, streamlabs.com slash Roxy Stryer. See what y'all are talking about over here. Danny M says, Roxy, 
The Snyder Vanity Fair article is a great read. He opens up a lot, including his leaving and his daughter. I definitely have to read it. A lot of people have been talking to me about it, and I will. I will take a look at this. Thank you for letting me know. Anybody else? Streamlabs.com slash Roxy Stryer. Super chat in. Let me know your thoughts. And Emily in Paris on this nomination, on how it came to be. Otherwise, we are getting out of here very soon. So get those in loud, get them in proud, and get them in now. One more thing I just briefly wanted to show. Another fuck up in Hollywood. Megan McCain said the most asinine, ass-backwards thing today as she was asking for Fauci to be fucking fired. So I screen grabbed this on my phone. And I wanted to play it for y'all because this is how people in Hollywood legitimately think. And this just fucking got me. The fact that I, Megan McCain, co-host of The View, uh, don't, I don't know when or how I will be able to get a vaccine because the rollout for my age range and, and my health is, is so nebulous. I have no idea when and how I can get it. I'm the fact that I, Megan McCain, co-host of The View, do not know how I'm going to get that vaccination. What, girl? What? Like, what? Listen, honey. What we're trying to do is get our elderly vaccinated, our healthcare workers, our teachers Megan, you think because you're the host of The View? What? Honey, what are you talking about? Honey, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? The entitlement. Like, and this is, by the way, coming from somebody, and I know, I understand the irony in the fact that I was vaccinated. And I know. And I was vaccinated and... I'm privileged enough that I had a friend who was working for the vaccination place and that she was able to tell me that they were throwing out vaccinations and to get there within the next hour. And then I was privileged enough that I was able to take off two hours of work to drive to Carson. You know, these were all things that that is my that was a very, very privileged situation. And it was me or the trash can. And I took that. So I understand. I understand that I'm coming from that perspective right now. At the same time. In no world did I deserve the vaccination and no world am I entitled enough to think that I should have gotten the vaccination. I would have 10 out of 10 times given the vaccination to somebody else who needed it. Had it not been me or the trash can, I never would have gotten the vaccination. When she is sitting there, I, Megan McCain, the host of The View, as if like those credentials mean that you should get vaccinated first. What are we talking about? Megan McCain? You, Megan McCain, a rich white girl who has access to all of the things that she would need in case something did go awry? What are we talking about, Megan McCain? Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. She says some, some polarizing shit that is so frustrating that Mm -mm -mm -mm. Mm -mm -mm -mm. No, 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 Megan McCain. No, no. She's so, I, Megan McCain, host of The View. Uh, uh, 
It's just so annoying when she speaks. I'm like, don't, Megan. I hate the white blonde women that make white blonde women look bad. It's already like, come on. There's so many, so many ignorant, ridiculous white blonde women. Come on. We got to do everything we can to elevate the white blonde women of the world. To be allies and supporters and to be not entitled mean girls who think that we deserve the vaccines because for some because you're a star because you're rich you deserve the vaccine more than somebody who is elderly what megan mccain i megan mccain just no 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 that all right, let's get out of here now that I've played that for you guys. Uh, happy Live at the Roxy Day for 3.44. We will be back tomorrow. I'm going to be on SEN tomorrow. I'm going to be hosting SEN tomorrow. It would be amazing if you guys could come show your support because I have not. I've been on that show for over a year and never been offered to host it. So we'll see how it goes. That's at 10 a.m. SEN tomorrow and then after that i will be back here live at the roxy and then supposedly i'm supposed to go pick up my keys to my place if uh and pay my security deposit and all that so we will see tomorrow's a big day y'all today's a big day too actually wish me luck on my schmodown match can't tell you what just can tell you that much love to all you guys oh what time is sen legoland it is tomorrow at 10 a.m pacific time so come show some love. It's going to be me, Roka, Goddard. Me, Roka, Goddard. Brett, I think. I think that's the crew. I think that's the crew. <laughs> Hopefully I don't fuck it up. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to try really hard not to fuck it up. Much love, y'all. Make your beds. Don't trump with the Holocaust. Put down the toilet seats and the lids. Uh, call somebody, reach out to those people who might need you, which could be anybody right now. Try not to say um as much as I did, but if you do, remember we're fucking human and this is the weirdest time ever. Go watch that Alan versus Fair or V. Pharaoh on HBO. We'll continue to talk about it and I'll see you guys tomorrow morning for SCN and then here afterwards live at the Roxy. <laughs>